You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. We talked about there's another in the fire and uh, some of you went and looked up the song, um, but it's an awesome song. And the whole point I've shared last Sunday was just no matter what happens to you, you're never alone. There's always someone with you. And what happens when the worst case scenario happens? You look up and you say, God, I was praying that this wouldn't happen. And yet it still happened. And then you look beside you and you realize there's someone else in the fire with you. And he'll make sure that the flames never touch you. He'll make sure you walk out, not even the smell of smoke on you. So anyways, that was last Sunday. So this week, we're going to pick up in Luke 24. Now, before we get to uh, stand still and see the salvation, we have, to, we have to build and make sure that we're all on the same page. Sound good? So are you ready for the word? All right, let's do it. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now, what's happening in Luke? Jesus has been resurrected. And after his resurrection, he's appeared to the disciples one time. Now, they're kind of talking and whispering, but not everybody believes that Jesus is alive. And while they're still struggling with this truth, we come to verse 13. It says, now behold, two of them of the disciples were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus. Now, this is not two of the original 12, the 12 he called. Jesus had very many disciples. Out of the crowds of disciples, he called out 12. Okay, so this is two that are not part of the 12, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they walked, I'm sorry, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. Talking about Jesus's death, uh, his burial. Give me one second. I'm going to fix that because that inch on the left was going to drive me crazy. All right. Verse 14, it says they talked together of all these things which had happened. They're talking about Jesus's death, his burial, but they can't talk about the resurrection because they don't believe he's resurrected. So while they're discussing all of this, verse, what is that? Verse 15 says, so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went to them. Now, years ago, I've shared this before. Years ago, I was a youth leader and we started realizing that there were some services in our youth room that all of a sudden the atmosphere in the whole youth room would change. You couldn't explain it. You'll be sitting there with teenagers from the age of 12 to 18 and they're all kind of like, ah, we don't want to be here or, you know, and I'm texting, I'm passing notes because teenagers still do that. They're acting like teenagers and you're talking to them and it's like talking to a wall. But then at some point in the sermon, everything in the whole room would just change and you had everyone's attention and you couldn't explain it. That somehow you just knew you were connecting. And I remember one day I was in my office at the youth room and I said, Lord, what in the world is going on? And the Lord said, you were asking me to come to your services. I'm coming. So I said, okay. So then I started noticing that there were times it would happen, but there were other times it wouldn't. And I said, Lord, I want you in every service. So what's the secret? And as I continued to pray, one day the Lord took me to this verse. It says, as they were talked, as they talked together of all these things which happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went to them. Now, what causes the Holy Spirit to come to your service? Think about it. For years, the church has said much prayer and much fasting, much prayer, much fasting. But you know what that does? The enemy can come to you and say the reason he's not here is because you didn't pray as much as the church down there. The reason he's not here is because you didn't fast as much as the person over there. Are you with me? So then how much prayer, how much fasting? And what it does is it shifts our attention off of him onto us. We want him here. So we have to focus on us. And that's nothing more than the law. Are you with me? So that can't be the answer. 
We know that's not the answer. So what is it that causes the Holy Spirit to come into your service? And when I saw this, the Holy Spirit jumped inside of me and said, son, this is the answer you were looking for. They were talking about Jesus's death. They were talking about his ministry. They were talking about his burial. And as they were talking about Jesus, Jesus himself showed up. <laughs> you know, we have a saying in the world, speak of the devil, right? When we're talking about someone and then they, you know, speak of, but hey, speak of Jesus. He shows up, right? You don't talk about him. Don't be surprised when he doesn't show up. And some people have been trying to fake it. Oh, stay safe. Woo, won't go there. Hallelujah. So we, that's why we talk about Jesus, because we want him in our services. Are you with me? Now, again, it says, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Now, if I'm Jesus, I'm opening everybody's eyes. You thought I was dead. Boom. I'm not. I'm alive. You know, <laughs> I'm showing up everywhere. Pilate, you could have let me go. But you know what? Guess what? I'm free. Like I would. I'm serious. I'd go down the line of everyone. But Jesus, he shows up to his disciples and he hides their eyes. They can't see who he is. Now, I'm going to show you in just a moment why. So let's fast forward in the story. He shows up and he says, what are you talking about? And they tell him, we thought Jesus was the one. It says, then Jesus said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Notice he didn't say all that I said to you. He told them that he was going to die and he told them the son of man would come back. He told them this. But notice he didn't bring up what he said to them. He brought up what the Bible said to them. Are you with me? So what is he doing? He's shifting their attention off of what they can see, what they can touch with their hands. And he's saying, believe this first. Are you with me? Then we come to verse 26. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses, the first five books of the Bible, and all the prophets, the rest of the Old Testament. He expounded to them in all scriptures, the things concerning himself. That tells me the Bible is not about Matthew Edwards. The Bible is not about you. The Bible is it was not written to tell me how to be a better person any more than it was written to tell you how to be a good person. The Bible was written about one person. And that one person is who? Granted, there are stories in it about other people. But even those people's lives point to one person. And that one person is Jesus. Now, I can learn from the people in the Old Testament. I can learn from the new people who made mistakes. Don't make the same mistakes they did. But at the end of the day, if I stop at learning what to do from them, I've missed the point. When Jesus has a Bible study, he doesn't talk about Matthew Edwards. Guess who he talks about? He talks about himself. <laughs> now, if I want to have the best Bible study in the world, I don't want to talk about you. I want to talk about me. I want to talk about Jesus because of what Jesus does. He talks about himself. Are you with me? Now, the answer to this, notice he calls them foolish, which means they don't know or ignorant and slow of heart to believe. Every problem the church faces can fall in two categories. Number one, you either don't know the truth or number two, you know it, but you don't. You're, you're, you're slow to believe what you know. But the answer to both is what? He opens the scriptures concerning himself. Imagine a Bible study with Jesus himself walking for seven miles. And Jesus opens up from Moses all the way to the rest of the Old Testament and shows everywhere that was a picture of Jesus. That was a picture. And he's talking about himself, but they had no clue. Now watch what happens. It says, then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, abide with us for it's toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread. Whoa, whoa. What do we do every Sunday? There we go. He took the bread. And I love this. He's not in his home. He's at their home. Watch what Jesus does in your home. He comes in. What does he do? He sat at the table with them. Then he took bread. He blessed. He broke. And he gave it to them. 
a while back, someone came to my house. They were guests in our home and we sat down. We had dinner around our table uh, on a very big table. But we sat down. We had dinner at our table. And just as we were about to start eating, I looked at my wife and she goes, go ahead. And I said, OK. And I reached out for her hand to pray. And the person started praying before me. Didn't even ask. And I kind of had a moment. I was like, that's just rude. And I, mean, and I was I was kind of upset about it. I was rude. But when Jesus shows up, he didn't wait for them to bless it. He didn't wait for them to pass it out. He takes the bread, he breaks it, he blesses it, and then he gives it to them. Showing, even though this is your home, I'm here to serve you. I'm resurrected in glory, but I'm still here to serve you. What do you need? What can I do for you? Isn't that beautiful? Exalted in all his glory, he still wants to serve you. So then we come to verse 31. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Now watch what they said. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us, what happens when Jesus is unveiled in scripture? Your heart burns. You fall in love with your savior. That's why. Listen, I'm telling you, if you would be, I think most of you are. I think the majority, I think 99 percent of us are. I don't think there's anyone here who doesn't. But be more encouraged to say, you know, what? I want to hear Jesus. I want to hear about him. And if you're not going to tell me about him, I don't want to hear you. I think all of you are there anyways, but all the more be more encouraged. Are, is everyone still with me? So we're all here to see one person, and that person is Jesus. Now, what happens when you see Jesus? Do you know that when Jesus comes back, the Bible says all of us will be changed in an instant? Literally in the Greek, an atomic second, all of us will be changed. Look at this in John, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, John says this, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. In other words, when Jesus comes back one day, we'll all see him with our eyes. And when we see Jesus as he is, we will become as he is. Now we talk about this. We, I love 2 Corinthians 3.18. We talk about it a lot, so I won't stay here very long. But my point is this. When you see Jesus, you become like him. That means, let me ask you this. Can Jesus be sick? Can Jesus be poor? Can Jesus be, um, I don't know, give me something. Can he be what? Can he be sad? He has every hope and every reason to hope in the world. Likewise, is there any reason we should be sad? Because you know what happens? When you see Jesus, you become like him. The more you see him, the more like him you become. Now, if you say I'm missing in certain areas, I'm not like Jesus yet, then go look at Jesus in that way. As a pastor, sometimes when I get really tired, like really, really tired, and I feel worn out and I feel stressed out and I go, Lord, Sunday's right around the corner. What am I going to do? Sometimes I'll open my Bible and read Mark because in the book of Mark, Jesus is a servant and he never sits down to rest. He just keeps working and keeps working and keeps working. And yet he never gets tired. He just keeps working. So I love that picture of Jesus. And I go, yes. And I go read it. And many times, not every time, but many times I found that when I read the book of Mark, all of a sudden I feel like I have the power to get up and do more. As we see him, so we become. If we're sick, look at Jesus. If we're uh, sad, look at Jesus. All we need to do is look at Jesus. Grace doesn't say get up and do more. Grace says see more. And the more you see, the more like him you'll become. All we have to do is keep looking at him. Now let's keep going. I'm bringing you to something. In Numbers 24, let's, let's look at a few instances real quick of what happens when people look at Jesus. All right? Now this is where I'm going to try my best to... Uh, Stick to the script. All right. So to speak. In Numbers 24, look at this interesting story. 
Numbers 24 says, Therefore the people came to Moses and they said, We have sinned, for we've spoken against the Lord. Pray that you take away, pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Now, I hate when I do that. I I try to give you the context first. The children of Israel, they're walking through the wilderness. They complain against the manna that God gives them, which is a picture of Jesus. As they complain, God says, because you're under the law, now judgment has to come. You complain about the type. You complain about my provision. Fine. He moved. He removes his protection and serpents that were in the wilderness the whole time that they never saw before. All of a sudden comes in and starts biting people. And everyone that gets bitten starts to die. The people cry out to Moses. Now, look at the gold. Look at this. They said to him, pray to the Lord that he would take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Now, what was their prayer real quick? Take away the serpents. But what was God's answer? I love this because this to me, this this is the perfect picture of how God wants to answer every one of our prayers. You see, if it's me, I'm like the people. God, take the serpents out of the camp. God says, I want to make you immune to the serpents. Are you with me? Look look at God's response. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. Not everyone who looks at it, the serpents will run away from it, run away from him. That's not what God says. If if I'm one of the people, I'm going, Lord, that's not an answer to my prayer. (laughs) But that's God's answer. God's answer to you is this. Rather than remove the problem, when you look at my son, you will become immune to the problem. Are you with me? Lord, just move the problem. No, I want to make you immune to it. So that when people see the serpent come and bite you, like Paul, they'll look at him. They looked at Paul and said, clearly he must be a God because everyone who's bitten by this snake dies. And Paul looked at him and said, what? I got bit? (laughs) God wants to make you immune. And how does he do it? Look at my son. Look at my son. Now he said, well, Matthew, that's a pole. Look at this in the Hebrew. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now look at this, verse 9 in the Hebrew. It says, so Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. The word for pole in the Hebrew is the word ness. Ness, all right? And the word ness literally means something lifted up. It's a banner or a standard. Now one of the names of God in the Old Testament is the Lord our banner. Does anyone know what that is? It's Jehovah what? Is it Nisi? which is where this word comes from. The Lord, our banner is the Lord lifted up. When I saw this, the name of God that he gave them, the Lord, our banner is the name of God that we hang up to win in battle. Are you with me? When we lift up the banner, it means we win in battle. But what is the word banner? The word banner is the same word for nest right here. God said, lift up the pole, lift it up, make it a banner, a standard. What he's saying is this. When you run into battle screaming, Jesus did it all, you'll always win. Always win. Man. Anyways, I love that. (laughs) I thought that was awesome. So anyways, Ness, he said, put it on a pole. The word for pole, the root word for pole, Ness, means something, hey, lift it up. Who was lifted up for all of us? Jesus at the cross. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked. Now, I put the word looked here in gold because I want you to see this. The word looked in the Hebrew is the word ra'ah. Ra'ah. Say ra'ah. Ra'ah. Ra'ah literally means to look intently, to consider something, to inspect it. God wasn't just saying anyone who glances at the serpent on the pole. He was saying if anyone will look at that serpent and intently look at it, consider it, look at it in all its beauty and glory, a bronze serpent. If you will look at it and consider it intently, intentionally, you'll live. Now, what does that mean for all of us? It's not enough just to say, Jesus, Jesus. 
Are you looking at him intently? Are you studying? Are you going to scripture going? What made Jesus tick? What was his heart for people? Why is he always moved with compassion? What is it about Jesus? What is it about him? Because when you look at him intently, everyone who looks will live. If what you need is healing, look at him intently and everyone who looks will live. If you're sad, look at him intently and everyone who looks will live. Isn't that awesome? And everyone said, amen. Amen. It's our last Sunday, man. (laughs) Everyone who looks will live. What does that mean for me? Look, look. Do you know that Jehoshaphat in the story in Second Chronicles, we're not going to go there. Second Chronicles, you know what Jehoshaphat told the people? They were surrounded by so many enemies they couldn't count. The enemy was coming. And Jehoshaphat, and we, we all know the story. He put the worshipers out front. They went out singing, praise the Lord for his hased, his mercy and grace, his loving kindness endures forever. And they walked on and the enemy had killed themselves. Four days they collected spoils, all that good. We all know that story, right? But you know what's amazing about that story? When Jehoshaphat was terrified, he told everyone to fast and he went to the house of God and he started praying. And while he was praying, all of a sudden, a man who was standing there, one of the priests, I think he's a Levite. He stood up and the spirit of God came on that young man and he stood up and started prophesying. Thus says the Lord. And he began to tell Jehoshaphat prophetically, I'm telling you, Jehoshaphat, you will not have to fight this battle. This battle is the Lord's. And then he said this, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, in this church, we know the rest of the story That's beautiful, but we know what salvation means in Hebrew. See, for them, Jesus had not yet come. But salvation in Hebrew is what? Yeshua, the name of Jesus. So what the Lord is showing all of us is if you'll stand still and see Jesus, I'm telling you, you'll never have to fight another battle. The battle will never be yours. It'll always be mine. Your part is to stand still and see the salvation. Your part is to stand still and see Jesus. Now, if that's not good enough, when I read that this morning, even this morning when I read it, the Holy Spirit said, and I, this morning was one of those times where as I would open my Bible, I would hear the Lord say, this is there. And when I would study it, I'd find that it was there. Things that happened multiple times this morning. I heard the Lord say this in that verse, and I want you to look it up for yourself. In that verse, our left top appears. In that verse, you're going to see two Hebrew letters that say, stand still and see the Alev Tav, salvation of the Lord. And I'm t- when, I, when I was reading the, in my Bible, I read it and I said, is that there? So I went on the Internet. I looked up the Hebrew and sure enough, right there, it literally says, stand still and see Alev Tav, the salvation of the Lord. <laughs> Some of you are going, Alev Tav? Alev Tav, Alpha and Omega. Greek, Alev Tav is the Hebrew. It's the signature of Jesus in the Old Testament. <laughs> Literally, the rabbis didn't know how to interpret because they don't believe that Jesus is all left off. So when they interpret it, they interpret it as best they knew, but they dropped the name of Jesus. But all of us, when we read it today, the Lord was literally saying prophetically through that young man. And I believe the Lord is saying prophetically through this young man. And everyone said, <laughs> stand still and see Jesus, the salvation of our heavenly father. You'll never have to fight again. Now, I believe this morning, and I'll say this carefully, I believe this morning is somewhat of a prophetic message for all of us. You know, normally I would never say that under most circumstances, but I say that because of this. This morning, and as I was getting ready, even a couple days ago, as I was getting ready, the Lord said this. He reminded me of a verse in Revelation. In Revelation, John says this. One of the angels, the messengers, says this to John, who's recording everything he saw. He said this. The spirit of prophecy, I'm sorry, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Whenever the testimony of wherever the testimony of Jesus Christ is, that is where the spirit of prophecy is. If Jesus is not preached and people are prophesying, run out the door. 
run. <laughs> All right. But in a place where people are saying, let's talk about Jesus, the spirit of prophecy is present. So this morning, I believe stronger than most other Sundays, I believe that the Lord is saying this morning is a prophetic message to all of us. Stand still. The battle is not yours. Now, we're talking about numbers. How do we get on this? Let's keep going again. They had to look intently. Now, look at this next one in Exodus chapter 15. And I'm coming to Exodus 14 where they crossed the Red Sea. So look at this in Exodus chapter 15. It says, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now, keep in mind, they went out into the desert and found no water for three days. Very angry. I can imagine. Verse 23. Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, which means bitter in the Hebrew. And the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord. Verse 25. He cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. Again, I want you to notice when they prayed, Moses, what are we supposed to do? Moses cried out to God, God, give us fresh water. God didn't show him where to dig. I know I think we all we talk about the story some in our church. Most of us know the story. But keep in mind, God did not answer his prayer the way he wanted him to answer it. He could have said, God, these people are thirsty. It's been three days since we had water. Lord, give us water. And the Lord could have said, dig a well over here. Let me show you where to dig a well. He could have said that. He could have said, Moses, stand back, for behold, I sent a thick cloud of rain. <laughs> he didn't do that. What did the Lord do? The answer to your prayer is not give you what you asked for. The answer to your prayer is, let me show you a tree. Let me show you a tree, Moses. Let me show you my son. I'm telling you, I think the answer to most of our prayers, we're going, God, you didn't answer it the way I want it. No, but I answered it the way I want it. And if you let me answer the way I want it, you'll find you become immune to that type of problem. The bitter waters will be sweet now and forevermore. You'll never come back and go, oh, well, we're out of water. No, 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 no. We, last time we were here, this happened. God showed us his son. We'll never have to suffer with this again. Are you with me? Are you with me? The bitter water became sweet. He showed him where to put the tree. He showed him the tree, then he showed him where to put it. Do you know that when God, when they ran out of water uh, a couple days later in the next chapter, they went out of water again. And Moses, you brought us into the wilderness to die. And Moses goes, oh, God, give us water. And again, God didn't say, OK, let me show you how to uh, let me show you where to dig. Moses stepped back. I sent a thick cloud. You know, what, you know what he did? Moses, let me show you a rock and I will stand before on. And our Bible says I will stand there at. But in the Hebrew, it says I'll stand there on the rock. I will stand there on the rock. And when you come to that rock, hit the rock and water will come out for the people. What was he saying? Moses, I'm not going to show you how to solve your problem. I'm going to show you my son. And there, when you hit the rock, they will all see a picture of me being hit at the cross for you. And when I was hit, water flows and all your needs were supplied for. Are you with me? God is more interested in what you're seeing than he is in what you're doing. And I can say that as the pastor of the church. Well, Matthew, we make a lot of mistakes. You are absolutely right. But God is way more interested in what you are seeing than what you're doing. If you will see the sun, you'll find that he'll take care of everything else. So I want to see the sun, don't you? Yes. Now, let me show you the Red Sea story. And this is where, again, I believe is, is very prophetic of our church. Let me show you the Red Sea story. Now, don't try to interpret the Egyptians as Jackson Park. That's not the case. <laughs> All right. That is not the case. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. All right. People are not our enemies. That's why we're going to bless this place when we walk out. All right. But anyways, 
Let me share this with you. They've left Egypt. They've gone out into the wilderness and they're following Moses. And the Lord appears to them as a pillar of cloud, the angel of the Lord. Anytime you see the angel of the Lord, I used to think it was an angel that God had that he just loved. This is the angel. But then I found out one day, many times, it's a capital A because it's speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ before he came, before he was born from the virgin. So what you see is the angel of the Lord is with them. Are you with me? Oh, man, I love this story. They're in the wilderness. He's in the wilderness with them. You're never alone. So anyways, Exodus chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi... There we go. Pi before Haheroth, between Migdal and the sea, opposite of Baal Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. Now, I want to pause for a moment. I know most of you are probably reading on, but I want you to think for a moment. God told them exactly where to camp. Okay? He told them exactly where to camp. Now, I want you to keep in mind, again... I love the Prince of Egypt. I love the story of God split the waters. This is that story. But before we get there, I want you to keep in mind, God could have taken them anywhere on the Red Sea. Moses was a commander at one point. He was a general for the Egyptian army. He knew the trails. He knew the paths to get to the Red Sea. Moses could have said, no, this is a horrible place to camp. Let's go somewhere else. If the Egyptian army tries to pursue us, they won't find us. But at Moses' submission, he listens to the Lord. And the Lord says, Moses, I want you to take all my children, all the children of Israel, and I want you to put them here. And he starts smiling. I believe he's smiling. Now watch what happens. For or because, this is why I want you here, Moses, because Pharaoh will say, to the, say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. Now, if I'm Moses, what does that have to do with us? <laughs> use somebody else. <laughs> Why do you have to use me to get glory over Pharaoh? All right? But I want you to keep in mind, God didn't tell the children of Israel this. He only told who? Moses. And look what God is doing. He's so excited to do this. He says, Moses, 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 I want you to take all of them. I want you to camp here at this spot. All right? Camp here. And then... The reason I want you here is because Pharaoh's going to say, they're closed in. There's no way to escape. So I'm going to harden his heart, and I'm going to make him pursue you. And they're going to all come out here, and I'm going to get glory over Pharaoh. Now go ahead. <laughs> what a battle plan, right? Now listen, with the Lord, you are never alone. You are never alone. And if you put your trust in the Lord, you'll never be put to shame. So Moses says, I'm going to do what the Lord told me to do. Thank God he did that. Because the answer to our prayer is not always what we think it is. Many times, just let me show you Jesus. Are you with me? So he says, fine, I'll follow the Lord. Now, last week I told you I felt like I was in a furnace, right? The week before that, I told you, hey, look, everything works together. Everything that I've gone through, you know, emotionally about the church and all these other things. At the end of the day, the Lord has a better answer. Are you with me? And I'm telling you, you are not in the position you're at because of something you did wrong, even if it's your fault, right? Let me say this. Everything works together. God will turn everything to make it look like he put you there. God will make every. I'm, I'm telling you, some of you are in positions and you said, how did I get here? I was I thought I was doing everything. I was. How did I get here? Isn't this the year of reaping where I haven't sown? <laughs> right. How did I get here? And I'm telling you, the Lord is saying, I put you here so that I can get glory over someone else. And let me tell you this. When the story ends, all the people saw how God used Moses. So the Bible says they feared Moses from that point on. Are you with me? I'm telling you, there are some people who are looking at you and they, won't, they don't want to hear what you have to say. But when God is finished, when God is finished with what you're going through even right now, 
He will put fear into the hearts of everyone who refused to listen before, and you will gain honor over all of them. Because I'm telling you, it might look like you're closed in by the sea, but God has an amazing plan for you. Are you with me? Now watch this. And they did so. Now it was, the, it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled in the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? Where am I? Uh, Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with boldness. Now, I love this. They don't know what's coming behind them, so they're bold. <laughs> and that's what the Lord wants all of you to do. Listen, listen, they didn't know the end of the story. We do. You may say, I don't know how the story is going to end, but I'm telling you by the grace of God, it is good. It is a good ending. It's a good ending. You will reap where you have not sown. This is a good ending for you. You are not working for God in the field. You are in the house. God is making other people work for you to bring the wealth of the wicked into you, to the house. Are you with me? I'm telling you, whatever it looks like, however bad it looks, prophetically by the grace of God, I'm telling you, wherever you find yourself this morning, I'm telling you the ending is good. So walk with boldness. Well, God, I don't see the answer yet. They didn't see it either, but we know the end. I'm telling you, the ending is it is good. It's good. Are you with me? So let's keep going. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Piharoth before Zel Zephon, exactly where God put them. <laughs> God, I followed you. I obeyed you. And look where I'm at. <laughs> I thought I heard the Lord. I did what you told me to. Now all, all these things are against me, right? <laughs> Verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then, the, then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we were that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Whoa, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. God, I was better off back there. Why did you why did you even call me in the first place? Let's keep going. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand. Oh, come on. One more time. Stand and see what? which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Now it's the same thing Jehoshaphat said. He probably took it from Moses, not Jehoshaphat. I'm sorry, the prophet who spoke to Jehoshaphat. Are you with me? Stand still, see the salvation. But when we see it in the story in Second Chronicles, like I told you, I should have shown you, but like I told you, literally there's two letters that are untranslated in that story and they're all left off. When I was reading this this morning, it looks like on the surface, he's saying, everybody stand still. Don't be afraid. God, you're going to see God's answer move. You're going to see God's salvation plan for all of you. But I submit to you, he was not saying you will see God's salvation plan. You know why? Because Moses said something here that's not translated in your Bible, but it shows up in the Hebrew. Literally what he said was stand still. Now, still, stand still. That phrase in the Hebrew is yatsab which literally means stand firm and intentional. Be intentional about standing firm. Be intentional. 
Don't say, well, I have nowhere else to go. No, you can do a thousand things, but be intentional. God, I will not be moved. I can be afraid, but I'm not going to be moved. All right. Secondly, and see, there's that word raha again. Raha, which literally in the, oh man, which literally means what? To look intently and consider and inspect. Now, what did I tell all, all of you this morning? Who are we supposed to look at? Who do we keep our eyes on? And how are we supposed to do that? In his word. Even through preaching and teaching that lifts up Jesus. Preaching and teaching that points out Jesus. How do we see Jesus? Open your Bible and say, Lord, show me more of him. When Jesus did it, he went to the old. Now we have old and new. So guess what? No excuse. (laughs) Show me more of Jesus. What about all my problems? Show me more of Jesus. Because I submit to you, God's answer for you is not the answer you thought. It might be, show me more of Jesus. So what does he say? Stand still and see. And we, we see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish this day. But there's those two Hebrew letters that go untranslated. The one on the right, because Hebrew's right to left. The one on the right, Aleph. The one on the left, Tav. You know what Aleph in the Hebrew is? Does anyone know? It's an ox. It's the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It's the letter A. We say A means apple. They say Aleph is the first letter. A means an ox. Do you know what they did in the temple to oxes? <laughs> they killed them and they took the blood from the ox and they sprinkled it around the altar and they took the body and they chopped it up into pieces and they burnt the ox on the altar and all the people were set free from sin Jesus says I am the ox I am the Aleph and then Tav the last letter in the Hebrew alphabet Tav is actually the letter for Z and you know what you know, we say Z means zebra they say Tav is a cross the old pictures of Tav, actually old manuscripts, when we saw the Qumran scrolls, uh, when we were in Egypt, we went to, um, we were where? Where was that? That was in, uh, that wasn't Masada, that was, it was, in the, it was in the desert though. But we saw the Qumran scrolls, um, we saw the Dead Sea Scrolls. When you look at the Hebrew letters there, you'll see that even back then, the letter Tav does not look like what we see here, or what you'll see on Google or your phones. What it looks like is actually a picture of a cross. Literally, over time, the letter has evolved into something else. Jesus said, I am Aleph, I am Tav, I am the ox, I am the cross. When Moses stood up and said, hey, stand still and see Aleph Tav, the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish. What was he saying? Stand still and see Jesus. (laughs) See Jesus. And I I wonder sometimes, did he really know what he said? (laughs) Did he really know what he was saying? Because the rabbis who translated it had no clue what he was saying. So they didn't translate it. But all of us, we have Jesus in the book of Revelation say, I am Alpha Omega, a Jew speaking to another Jew. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have spoke Greek. He would have spoke Hebrew. So he would not have said, I'm Alpha Omega. He would have said, I am Aleph, I am Tav. First, last, beginning, end. That's me. That's who I am. Translating this for us in the old. I am Aleph, I am Tav. Stand still and see Jesus. And I'm telling you, and I say this prophetically by the grace of God. By the grace of God, many of you have endured. Many of you have said, I could do something else. I could be somewhere else. I can hear someone else. But I will insist on seeing Jesus. I insist on seeing Jesus. And some of you have even changed the channels to say, I want to hear Jesus. And I'm telling you, the Lord has said, because you insisted on seeing Jesus, you're about to see what I will accomplish for you even today. Even today. And I'm telling you, some of us, I, I, I could, you know, we could try to go down the line of individual. I want, you know, I don't believe that God's called me to go down the line yet to say, oh, the Lord said this of you. And I've seen that before. I'm not there. <laughs> I'm not there. 
But some of you are fighting battles with your family. Some of you are fighting battles at work. Some of you are fighting battles across the board in other areas. You're fighting battles with finances. You're fighting battles with marriage. You're fighting battles all around the board. And the Lord is saying, look, you are never supposed to be playing chess in the first place. I am the chess player, not you. You step back and watch me play for you. And many of you have insisted, not even, it's not me telling you to do it. Many of you have already done it. And the Lord said, because you've done it up to this point in the year of reaping where you have not sown, because you've insisted on seeing Jesus, the Lord said, this is your reward. Can I say that? This is your reward. Even, even this day, you will see the salvation of God. Oh man. Hmm. I'd love to have a message about the doors are closing, but God's opening a new one. But I felt so impressed from the Lord. No, you're okay. <laughs> you're okay. <laughs> the church is fine. This wasn't your idea. You're okay. All right. Tell them this. Just continue to stand still. Continue to stand still because the reward is coming. The reward is coming. And it's not me saying, you stuck it out with us, stay in this church and the reward will come. Let me say this. There are other grace-filled churches in Charlotte. I believe that with all my heart. We are not the only ones. Elijah made a mistake. He said, God, I'm the only prophet left. And he might have in his own heart been saying, you have no other choice but to use me. And God was going, God said, surprise, I have 700 other people. (laughs) You are not the only one. (laughs) I want you. But let's get this idea out your head. You're not the only one. We are not the only grace-filled church in Charlotte. We're not the only ones, all right? But I believe we are a good one. (laughs) I believe we are a heaven of a church in Charlotte to have, all right? But let me say this. Because you've insisted on seeing Jesus, the reward is coming. Now, let me close with this. Which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall again see no more forever. The Lord will fight for you. You shall hold your peace. If you're asking me, the prayer was, Moses, you brought us out here to die. Moses, what are we going to do? Moses, tell God to send them away. Tell God to turn them to go around. And God is saying, no, I want to make sure you never have to fight these Egyptians ever again. Let's put all of them in the water and let's drown all of them. Done. You're immune. (laughs) You're immune. The next Egyptian who sees you will say, whoa, 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 we know what you did. And you know how we know that? Because when they got to the promised land, everyone said, we heard what your God did at the Red Sea. We heard what your God did at the Red Sea. When they found Hagar, she said, we heard what your God did at the Red Sea. We're terrified of you. I'm telling you, God is going, look, it might not be the answer you wanted, but I will make you immune to it both now and forever. And people will hear what I did for you. I will gain glory. You will gain honor. If you'll let me, I want to walk you through this. He said, well, God, this is it's a fire, but you won't feel the flames. <laughs> but God, this is so scary. It's just the shadow of death. It's not really death. Are you with me? Death can't touch you. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin in the grave. That's, I love that song. Oh, man, I'm bringing this to a close. Where are we at? Oh, man, I didn't put it up there. So I'll tell you and we'll close with this. Right on time. There was a woman named Hagar, and the Bible calls her, not Hagar, there was a woman named Rahab. I said Hagar earlier, didn't I? If you're listening to this on the podcast, I'm sorry, I meant Rahab. (laughs) There was a woman named Rahab. I should have put her story in, but it was early this morning, I was tired. A story of a woman named Rahab, and her story's found in Joshua. And in the story of Joshua, what happens? The Joshua shows up at the promised land and he says, all right, let's send spies in to spy out the land. 
Last time we sent spies in, we sent 12. 10 came back with a bad report. Two got it right. Because 10 had a bad report, the whole nation had to go back. Joshua gets smart. We're not sending 12 in. We're sending two in. Two got it right last time. We'll send two this time. <laughs> so they send two spies into the promised land. Now, when the two spies end up in the promised land, the first place they come to is Jericho. And of all the people they could have found in Jericho, they find a prostitute named Rahab. <laughs> Explain that one. So anyways, they find the prostitute, the prostitute of Jericho. Her name is Rahab. And so she says, look, they're looking for you. They, they know that you're here. They're going to kill you. So I'll hide you in my home. So she brings them to their house and she hides them. Now, once the guards are gone, she lies for them. Once the guards are gone, she says, look, you can't go out the front door. I got to take you out um, through the window because she lives on the wall of the city. And she said this, because I helped you. Listen, because I helped you. Promise me that me and my family will be safe when you cross the Jordan River because we've heard what your God did to the Red Sea. We heard what your God is doing and we are absolutely terrified. Your God is the true one. And literally in the Hebrew, she actually uses the word Lord, the Lord, your God, meaning she's already switched. She's already converted. <laughs> she's in Jericho, but she is not of Jericho. So regardless, she stands there and she says, promise me my family will be safe because we helped you. And the two spies tell her something so important, so amazingly beautiful. And I saw this a couple, like two years ago. And man, it revolutionized the way I saw the Bible. She said this to them. They said this to her. They said, your family will be safe. We won't harm you or anything you own. Unless, okay, but this is, this is the trick. All your family must be with you here in this house. And what you must do is you must put a scarlet cord and hang it out of the window of your house. When we come, we'll know that it's your house. When we come to conquer the city, this will be your house because we'll see the scarlet cord hanging out the window. Now, we know the story. They walked around Jericho one time for six days, seven times. On the seventh day, the whole city fell down, but Rahab and her family were safe. They were saved, her and her whole family. Now, listen, let me say this first off. We never see her family declare that our God was the Lord God. Rahab was the only one. But Rahab did something that impacted her whole family. I know that there's a widespread belief going around even now, even now about, well, this person in my family didn't say Jesus. This person didn't. Well, what about this person? Let me say this. Rahab and her whole family were saved because of what she did. Are you with me? Now, I'm not saying that no one in your family has to bow the knee to Jesus. I'm not saying that at all. But listen, stand for your family and say, Lord, I think that my family is safe. But what did she do? She put the scarlet cord out the window. Scarlet is what color? Red. Red in the Bible speaks of what? blood. Jesus said, your eyes are the windows to the soul. They said, put the scarlet cord and hang it out of the window. What was the, what, what is, what is the Holy Spirit trying to get all of us to see? Don't get stuck on the cool story. <laughs> Don't get stuck on the life lesson. See Jesus, see Jesus. What were they actually saying? What's God trying to show us when your eyes are in intentionally looking at the blood when you are intentionally looking at Jesus I don't care if destruction happens around you you and your family will be saved they will be saved and what seems like just a cool story for children is really the Holy Spirit saying no 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 the eyes are the window the the, the scarlet cord is the blood see the blood and you'll be saved I'm telling you and I'll say this and we'll close with this God is more interested in what you are seeing than what you're doing and I'm telling you because you have Intent, been intentional about seeing Jesus, the reward is coming. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. 
If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.